This is a GK Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to Business Bites here on Gary Talks, where this season I am speaking to international entrepreneurs and leaders. And this week on the show, I'm delighted to be joined by Neil Rogers, author of Bar Tips, Everything I Need to Know I Learned Behind the Bar, and also a business owner for the past 27 years. Neil, thank you for joining us on the show today. Gary, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And you're coming to us from New Hampshire, I believe. New Hampshire, USA, yes. So I was delighted but to- don't be looking, don't be looking for mountains or lakes. I'm 35 miles out of Boston, so we're really a suburb of Boston. And before we started recording, I was telling you that I was in Boston a few years ago and I loved it, but there was one particular experience that stood out for me. We were walking along an area in the city of Boston and we, it was a really hot day and I thought, I was with the wife and I said, well, we might just stop and- have a beer or something, treat ourselves to something. And there was a real blonde beer that someone was drinking. It just, it looked perfect. It looked like this would definitely quench my thirst in the heat that we were uh, dealing with that afternoon in Boston. So I went up to the woman who was a bartender there and I said, is it okay if we sit down? And she's like, yeah, yeah, sit wherever you want. Do you know what you want? And I said, oh, I'd love to have that beer down there that the guy is drinking. Do you know what? what the name of that is. And then she made this whole show of, hey, this guy down here wants to know what you're drinking. And it was a whole theatrical pantomime uh-huh. type thing. But I didn't know this was what this particular bar did. And this is what they were known for. At the time, I was very mortified. And I thought this is just the way Bostonians <laughs> work <laughs> as bartenders. But thankfully not. But what was your I- experience working as a bartender in Boston when you weren't you know, abusing customers like this other place was. Interestingly enough, the the, the first place I worked in Boston was uh, actually it was down on Canal Street near the Boston, the old Boston Garden, which is now the new new TD Bank Garden is there, and that had uh, they were very busy places. They but it, their their business was shot uh, spotty, so if there was a Bruins game on or a Celtics game on, there was a huge crowd before the game, then it died in between. And then it was a huge crowd afterwards. So there was really not a lot of time for those types of shenanigans. It's kind of unfortunate too, because that's what I really that's what I really liked about bartending, other than the money you made and the fun you had and all that. But uh, then there are other places. So that was called Trolleys. The other place I worked, another another place I worked was a place called Tia's, which again was a very busy place. So you really didn't get the art of inter- using your interpersonal skills. Like this woman was clearly trying to, believe it or not, welcome you <laughs> and uh, and uh, give you give you a little introduce you around and hey, you got to meet this guy. You know, he's from Ireland. Listen, yeah. he's listening accent. I can hear it now, right? <laughs> it's not it's not like an Irish accent is all that foreign around Boston. <laughs> True, but uh, but but what I loved about uh, and and I was you know I was I was pretty. I was a pretty good bartender in terms of speed. So I always worked the busy nights. So very rarely did I work those days where I could do that. But occasionally I'd work a Saturday or whatnot. And I really enjoyed it because you could have a conversation with somebody. You could you could listen to what they had to say. You could give them the tips on where you might what you might want to do today and while you're in Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, what show might be around, what a good place to get a steak is. You know, um, you know, just point out point out points of points of interest 
Uh, we happened to be right across the street at that time from Faneuil Hall Marketplace, which was big back then. Uh, the, the seaport has kind of taken over the sizzle of, of Boston, which is now South Boston, more in South Boston, which is more of the traditional Irish section of, of the city. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, I think I I can, I can actually, I can, as you were describing that, I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the name of the place, but it's, it's certainly, uh, left a mark in my memory bank, but uh, once I copped what was happening, I then enjoyed the experience. <laughs> did you like the beer? Yeah, I did. I did. I um, I think was it John Adams? Would that be the Sam Adams. Sam Adams. Yeah, that's the beer I had. Yeah, it was very yeah. nice. Tell me, like, why did you put pen to paper and decide to write this book, Bar Tips? Well, as I described to you off air, it was um, it really was a COVID project. You know, it was something that um, that I, I was trying, as you said, I, just trying to do something to keep myself sane and keep yeah. myself active. And you know, as a as a people person, I I missed conversing with people, meeting them, sitting down with them at a at a bar or a, a, a countertop at a at a at a breakfast shop. And what I would do is I would reach out via text to people I hadn't heard from in a while or just a random, random act. And, uh, invariably I get a phone call back. Hey, Neil, what's going on? How you doing? Hmm. So everybody was really kind of feeling the same way. So I, uh, was encouraged by a friend that I, that I reached out to that he had, he had, uh, he had written a book. He said, you should write a book. What am, what am I going to write on? Yeah, I've had a good life. You know, we've, we, we don't want for anything. We've got, uh, we've, we've, uh, been successful in what we, what we've done. And uh, I had written, I had, I had done some little writings, you know, journaling, if you want to call it that, about a bar that I worked at because we recently just had a birthday party for one of the guys that uh, was in the uh, that worked with us, and it brought back a lot of nice memories. So I I got a little real nostalgic about it. I I, I found the I found the uh, the original T-shirt. I made I I made them all up. I gave them all, I sent everybody, everybody from the, you know, I, did, I didn't make them up for the party. I sent them all the gift, the t-shirt for the gift for Christmas. Okay. Because you know. this is part of your business as well that you have. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do for, that's what we do for work. So, uh, and then I, I pieced that together with a, with something else that I had written about the first bar that I worked in, <coughs> the full sale, at a place called Whitehorse Beach in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And so I was thinking about it. And my daughter had been honored uh, here in New Hampshire with the Chamber of Commerce for uh, being one of the kid people that you should watch under 30. You know, one of those awards that I don't know if you guys have them over there, the Chambers. They have an award for everything. You know, so it's, <laughs> hey, look at us. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's a, there's a franchise over here called Five Guys Burgers. Okay, no. Five Guys is a franchise and the a guy the person who brought the group to New Hampshire was the keynote speaker at the event and he talked about anything if you've ever worked in hospitality but here there's pre-meal you know where you would sit get the team together before the game before the before the shift you know what what's out what are the specials you know what are we looking for today you know what who's in town whatever that may be and then a little bit of a rah-rah speech and his rah-rah speech consisted of, 
we're not in the burger business. We're not in the fry business. We're not in the soda business. We're not in the shake business. We're in the hospitality business. Now, from a point of context, the place T, as I mentioned to you, where I worked at in Boston, is where I met my wife. So we both both worked in hospitality. And I just turned to her and said, I've never left the hospitality business. I've been bartending on the road for 30 plus years. So that was the how I got the and that was in retrospect because that was a few years before we even before COVID started where we where we mm-hmm. had the uh, where we had that that but it, it came to me <clears throat> and I I then started interviewing um, friends people that I work with other bartenders um, and so it really made made for some real pleasant moments during the lockdowns um, you know I talked to uh, a woman that uh, owned the place he is and we spent two hours on the phone together and she just told her whole story and whatnot and in the book she's very influential it's actually it's her title to the chapter attitude aptitude and appearance so and then uh other people that i interviewed were just guys that i worked with or guys that i i knew were good and had that i would go see after i was out of the business one guy in particular, Phil Richardson, was working uh, up to up to COVID started. Or, or no, I think he, I think he, I think he, they, he was a, it was a union job when he was working then, and he decided that he that he'd take the perks on the way out and all the government stuff and all that, and he said, "I'll be done." So forty seven years he spent working the bar. Wow. Now he's planting, uh, planting, uh, planting. Uh, flowers for the city of Quincy. Okay, very good. So, but he uh, so that's how the concept came around and then I just started rolling with it and laying it all out and and uh and just started telling stories into you know intermingling the stories and with that that both go with um you know as a you know what you know is matter of, so like what's the proper greeting for you know what what's the importance of a proper greeting for a bartender? You know, how do you make an first impression as a salesperson? And how do they, how do they, how do they, how do they meet? You know, so um, what's the difference between when you carry on a conversation from a bar patron and how you carry on the conversation with your first meeting with a new, new customer? Yeah. It's all the same Dale Carnegie techniques. If you're familiar with Dale Mm -hmm. Carnegie, you know, smile, uh, actively listen, lean in, nod where appropriate, ask them to talk about themselves Two ears, one mouth. Use them in that proportion. <laughs> Very good. Don't over. Don't, don't. Don't. I love. I never heard that before. I like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> don't, and, oh, you like you like these. Don't don't talk over them. Don't interrupt them, and don't one better them. You know what one better yes, is? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, people everybody like that. knows what a one yeah. better is. Yeah, yeah. So we do, we've got it now. We've got it now down. My 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 brothers and I have got it down to OB. Because one of our brothers is always OB in. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. We'll just text <laughs> OB and play. Very good. Yeah. Well, that's how you start that. So it's the, so the same way you start a start a relationship with a bar customer is exactly the same relation way you start a relationship with a sales sales prospect. Yeah. And um, so, and then other things that we talk about are time management skills. You know, stop being late. Yeah. Stop with the I do, my dog ate my homework excuses why you couldn't be there on time. Mm. Fifteen minutes early is on time. Yeah, if you're on, if you're on time, you're late. 
Okay. So at least if you're heading in that direction, you've got a chance, right? So you, you want you want to be in that window. You know, you got to give yourself some grace. I mean, stuff does happen. Yeah. But the stress you save yourself by arriving early is unreal. And I was always very bad with time management. I was always the person arriving just on the button or maybe a few mm-hmm. minutes over that. And I became, you know, the guy who just showed up at the last minute. But I, I embraced that character so i continued to do that and then i was and, and i worked in radio for years and it would always just be sliding into the seat just before we went to air and i loved the thrill of that last minute thing and then doing videos um you know one of my colleagues who'd be the senior videographer in our firm was saying you, you know and and this is him telling the boss he say you know i think you should turn up earlier than you're arriving and like but it's grand i'm i'm just arriving on time he goes no no arrive at least 15 minutes ahead of when we're supposed to be there. And I've started doing that for the last 10 years now, and it just makes life so much more stress-free. It was inter- it's interesting you put it that way. I had this conversation last week with the husband of one of our employees. I stopped over her house. Everybody works virtually to pick something up. She does all of our marketing. And we got, he's, a, he's a sales manager in uh, the pharmaceutical business. So we were talking, we're, and he had, he said, "I'm not." I said, "Have you read the book?" He goes, well, "I'm not a reader. I, I, I read a book on vacation for the first time in eight years." Okay, you're off the hook. So we started chatting. I said, "Told him what it was about and whatnot." And he goes, "And just as you say, there are people in this organization that if they make that first impression in that fashion, they're the guy that's always late, right? Mm. You never." So the the old adage that goes along with you know, the time management or, or, um, or I'm sorry, you, well, I mean, all of these things really can lead to a first impression, but, but what I say in the old adage for importance of a proper greeting is you never have a second chance at a first impression. Yeah, true. You know, so even to this day, even in the dress down world that we are, uh, and you know, new uh, in-person appointments are few and far between these days, which is a tragedy, I believe. Um, but we we had one a few weeks ago. I threw on a suit. Could never be overdressed. You know, we were well prepared. You know, all those little things. So we, you know, we we uh, we we really wanted to hit it out of the park when we when we met them, and I think we did. So, and it shows that you're still hungry as well, having that sort of attitude. There isn't this complacency that kicks in. Well, you know, it's it, what we have is so last year. Uh, we had a we had a client implode on us. It was a million dollar plus client. How much? We didn't we didn't we didn't lose them. They just went away. A million dollar plus four, client. Yeah, four billion dollar company went out went out public at seventeen dollars in July. Was trading in the cents in January. Wow, cents. So we had, we, we're, we, you know, we, we have a process we use and it's outlined in the book that of how, how to go about prospecting and getting, getting new clients. And it's the fun of it. I mean, it's really, um, you know, it's still the, the, it's the, the, the chase sometimes is more fun than the kill. Mm. And so, um, so we, we've, we've kind of, you know, we're about, you know, it's, well, now we're eight months in. Well, we're actually, oh my goodness, we're almost 10 months into the year. We're about halfway there, making that up. You know, yeah. that's, and in our business, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
Um, so it's, uh, but it's using these simple processes and procedures that we, that, that as, that again, when, when you, if you have an opportunity to get the book, um, you'll see there's no complex marketing theory. We're not talking about, you know, the new shiny red tech toy. Yeah. And actually, as a matter of fact, um, it's the antithesis of the, it's the blocking and tackling or in, in football parlance over here, our type of football, not yours, um, you know, of, of, of sales, of people relations. You know, if, if, if you, if you cannot say hello to somebody in a perfect manner, if you, if you, if you're showing up late, if you're disorganized, if you don't look right, or at least presentable, um, if you, if you're, uh, if you don't know your product, if you don't know what 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 your competition has, or what you or how you, else you can help your client, you know, which we call peripheral knowledge in the book, and, the, and peripheral knowledge is the doorman at the hotel that tells you where to get the best steak in town, or where there might be live music, hmm. or where where the where the festivals are today. Yeah, that's the stuff outside. And, and that doesn't directly impact that hotel or, you know, I tell a story in the book about a steak. Well, at Tia's, we had, it was a seafood restaurant. We had one steak on the menu. Somebody wanted steak. What do I do? Sell them our steak? What do I tell them? That the chart house is right around the corner and it's the best steak in town. I opted for B, right? But the point of that is, so when I, when, so those were all fundamentals. You know, we have, we have this tendency, especially with the 24 by seven media that's hyping up AI, you know, the, you know, the new iPhone, the, this, that, and the other thing, you know, that sure, these, these things have helped us dramatically over the last 50 years. They're wonderful tools. Look at my new fancy mic I got yesterday, right? <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, but, um, so, I mean, you know, cell phones as like mini computers, streaming services for music, every, you know, all, all the music's right in here. Um, you know, the, the, of course, our Hulu, our Netflix and all that, you know, we have, uh, you know, Amazon has completely changed the way we shop. Why do people like to go to coffee shops? Why are they sitting in, why are they sitting in bars? Why is Taylor Swift selling out every major stadium in this country. Why is Alex Shoe Store here in Nashville, New Hampshire, mobbed on a Tuesday in February? I'll tell you why. When you walk through the door, people greet you. They take you over to the department where you're looking, where, where you're looking for shoes. They sit you down. They break out that little, you probably got that over there too, little device to measure your feet. It's called a Brannock. Okay. Okay, that measures your fit. So they, they do that. They fit you. Then they then they then they take you over to the wall. They describe the shoes. So there's that experience that you're given. Taylor Swift is an experience. It's you know it's social, and so there's a guy Sean Acor who wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage, and he also in that he he actually studied happiness in at, at Harvard for twelve years, and. It's a wonderful book, and he's had a great TED Talk if you just want a quick 12-minute version of it. And, but he also did further study and discovered that the, the, the indicator, the best indicator of our, of our longevity 
and our happiness, long-term happiness, is the breadth and the depth of our social interactions. So think about, as we were talking about earlier, our COVID experiences. Mm. What was making us all crazy? The lack of interpersonal contact, you know, to be able to be with people, to be yeah. in a group, to be, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a, yo- I'm a yoga guy and uh, we used to have these classes I, and it's all heated yoga. So it's 96 degrees in the room. And we put in this room 64 people wow. jammed, mat to mat, right? I couldn't go to the classes during uh, COVID because it was 12 people. We were all separated and it just didn't feel the same. So I think that's, so that's it. So, and so all those things in, you know, uh, are, so all those things are wonderful, you know, and they're great tools, but the, the name of that talk that I give that relates to that is tech is no threat to me. And the last line in the talk is tech is no threat to me. Tech is my friend, right? So we, we use it as tools. Dude, I, I can't really figure out how I'm going to use chat GPT. As a matter of fact, the guy who encouraged me to write the book, that's his gig now. He's, he's selling the world on, on how AI is going to change your life. I don't, I don't doubt him, but uh, I, uh, and I, I'm certainly going to jump in where, where applicable. But uh, I mean, I got enough to do just in our little world, in our little simple way of doing things to grow our business. And, uh, and that's the, and, and the, the other things are kind of the, the cherry on top, how you use a cell phone, how you use, a, how you use the computer. But with that comes a need for knowledge. So where does the where you know you know where do you get the knowledge? I mean, these things aren't as easy as they used to be just to peruse around and figure out. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not an 18 year old kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that's got that that uh, that uh, that uh, that way about them. So, but yeah, that's what you'll find in the in the in the book is that that if you do these things and you know there's a whole chapter on a on a process that we call then we trademarked it. It's called positive activity. So we mix mindful behaviors in with business development tactics. So the first, the first bit on the uh, is about getting your mindset right. So the ditty on it, the little, the little blurb we give on it. So if I describe, want to describe what it is, it's the practice, you know, because we're we're yogis. Everything's a practice. It's not a perfect, right? You're not going to bat a thousand, but it's the practice yeah. of getting your mindset right. So you're in a place of positivity, which leads you to open-minded. Divergent, divergent thinking, solution providing, creativity. So once you've got your mindset right, you only see solutions. You really don't see problems. Problems can be overcome with a solution. And that leads to productivity. So it's the marriage of the ivities, right? And, um, <clears throat> and so what, what your productivity process is, is in our case, it's what we're doing to regain that million dollars worth of business, you know, that's identifying who can buy what you sell, buy what you sell, creating a list of those people, having a benefit statement, making sure you can just, you can tell, you can tell, you can tell somebody what you do on one sheet of paper, at least at a 15 minute, you know, opening coffee meeting. Yeah. And then have structured, structured touch campaigns to follow up on any of those groups that you have. And the groups that you have are going to be the group you know, the group you meet, 
in the group you buy. The group you know, your friends, your family, your associates, your business people, all that, they should know what you're doing for two reasons. One, they may be able to use your services, but more importantly, they'd be able to refer you because they know what you're doing. There are many times they go, well, what does that guy do anyway? I don't even know. Yeah. Well, here it is. This is what we do. But then the group you, the group you meet, you know, what's your structured way to follow up when you met somebody at, at a cocktail party, at a, um, at a business association meeting, at a charity event? You tell them what you do. You gave them your little, you gave me a little elevator pitch or, you know, your uh, 30 second commercial, whatever you yeah. want to call it. And, uh, and they said, geez, that's interesting. I'd be interested in that. Well, guess what? Especially if there's drinks involved. Don't be surprised if they don't, re- if they don't, they're not sitting waiting for your call on Tuesday. <laughs> so you got to get them in queue yeah. and you have to get them in. And we use the conventional wisdom. There's, I've, I've learned, I've, I've looked high and low to find the actual corroboration on this, even on the net. But when you do talk to biz- business people or salespeople, everybody kind of agrees that the seven touch theory is 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 the one to use takes and, and that says it takes seven significant touches in order to get somebody's attention like physical touches is it physical touches now you go to digital it's exponentially more you know i mean how many how many how many emails do you how many emails do you ignore how many social media posts do you ignore because and i you know i don't even know what the metrics are on that but we use tangible stuff we use voice we use we do use email, um, and but we use tangible media that we send. As an example, this is the box that's going to a prospect, and in that and in this box. So describe the box there for our listeners. Well, got to have a copy of the book. Excellent. But there's all sorts of swag in here. Notepads. Here's our here's a journal book. Very nice. That has a tipping page. Guess what that tipping page has on it? Our one sheeter. The one sheeter I was talking to you about in, in in part of the process. So we can now we'll we'll send this out and we'll walk them through it. This actually is going to um speaking prospect uh that uh, they want me to speak on the book. So it's this idea of every opportunity you have to see this. We determine whether or not, you know, so we do those touches and then we determine at some point in time, you know, if we're not getting feedback, you know, because we'll do them in increments, like we also may break those pieces apart and send a pen, send a, uh, a, that, that journal book. Yeah. Right, and then maybe the piece of resistance is to send the rest of the case, right? Because the point of the matter is, here's another thing about you know we talked about email marketing. Oh, I didn't really mention email marketing in my talk, but email marketing, obviously, and social media marketing. That's you know everybody you know constant contact will will make you think that's the only thing you need to do. But do you know that at least here in the states, I don't know what is what's going on in Ireland. Direct mail is up. The use of direct mail is up, and we use what we call lumpy mail. As lumpy mail gets open, that box is going to get opened. Okay, so lumpy mail is something that's more than an envelope, is it? Yeah, so it's got dimension to it. Okay. Right? 
So even like a little pen in a padded envelope is, you know, so that may be, you may pay, you could pay 60 cents for a pen. You could pay $250 for a pen, right? <laughs> it's not what you, but for this purpose, you just want them to open it, get your note. And typically what we do is we use these guys right here, blank inside cards, and we write on them. We write personal notes. Okay, I love so that. So this woman is going to get a personal note from me. I will also send an email detailing out, you know, how I got her name. You know, I'm not an email, but a, 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 a typewritten letter that'll detail out, you know, why I think I'd be a good fit for their for their conference. Excellent. But yeah, so those are the simple things. Those are the fundamentals. There's yeah. no magic. We also use a concept of micro marketing, which is when you go through that process, you will, you've got to, you know, many times salespeople are barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, the people can't buy what they sell. Yeah, or they're just not a prospect, or they're they're contacting the wrong person. So that's first first and foremost. That's what we that you know. So segmenting, micro marketing, and those that's kind of the um, the legs. And so that's you know, positive activity is the sum total of our experiences. My wife is brilliant at the mindful behavior stuff. I've been doing this type of business development for 37 years. Used to be you walked in the door. You can't do that anymore. Mm. What are we going to do? We're going to do something different. So this is kind of what we do. Excellent. Brilliant. Yeah. Loads, loads of advice there. And even I think to bring it back to starting off in bartendering, I think it's so important for young people as well to put themselves out there where they have to engage with a customer on a floor because I suppose with tech, Nowadays, it's easy to hide behind a computer screen or a phone screen or whatever. You know, you will only get that real confidence and those social skills by putting yourself out there and getting involved in jobs from an early age, like bartending or working in a retail shop or something like that. Yeah, you don't have, it doesn't have to be behind the stick or in a service. As a matter of fact, when I bought this microphone yesterday, it was at Best Buy. Met this lovely young woman. She was the greeter. And she she was engaging. She was nice. She'd sent me in the right direction. I I kept kept on coming back because they didn't really come in time. So I came back to her, and she she said, well, "Let me help you out here." And and I just told her, I said, "You know, you've read a really nice way about you." And as a matter of fact, the podcast I was on yesterday, I so this is the second day in the row I've mentioned this this young woman. Okay, yeah. I, and her name was Anna. I mean, she's <laughs> actually, uh, uh, but I had to go back because you know I had to find these. Because this yeah. didn't work without these. And I was like, okay. And so she helped me out with these again. So twice in one day. So I said, and I told her, I said, you know, I told her about the book. And, and I said, you know, and she, she hadn't gone to school yet. And she, uh, she really seemed maybe a little aimless. I mean, very sweet and mm -hmm. all that. But she's four years out of high school. And I said, you know, you're learning a lot of cool things here. And, you know, you're, you're, you're very good with people. You know, I consider I consider getting back at least maybe an associate's degree or something that you might be able to go out and be a mortgage broker or uh, you know real estate agent or something of that nature because you've learned some great skills here and you're anything where you've dealt with the public, yeah. You know where you where you've had to dispute resolve, right? Right. So it's somebody. I tell a story uh, in the book. On, it's a chapter on taking ownership when. A business problem arises. Hmm. So one of this this guy that I worked with in the food business when I was selling wholesale um, to to to, the, uh, to restaurants, 
he was a, he was a great guy. He was a wise guy. Bill uh, always wanted to rib you, and you know, but he liked to drink a beer, and he'd. Uh, but he was amazing with customers, and he was he was just he was a real mentor. He's actually acknowledged in the book, Jim Galhew. He said, "When any, whenever anything goes wrong, start here. Start with me. Yep. What was my role in this? Mm. How could have I done better? How could um, you know?" Before you start lashing out at the, well, the warehouse picked it wrong, and the and the the guy didn't take it off the truck, and uh, the graphic artist did this, or whatever that may be. Yeah. How could I? Did I give him the right information? Mm. It keeps you from getting in fights all day long, and you certainly don't want to get one with a client, yeah. customer. Now, and and the, and the whole premise on that, and that the little old adage as it relates to that chapter in the book is the premise that I believe you have to start from is the customer is always right. Can't be unreasonable, yeah. but the, but you, but if you start out with a bad attitude that, you know, here they come again, or, you know, how they can be, well, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna be a problem for you. Mm. So the, 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 so the bartending bit as it relates to this is, uh, so at T is my buddy, Dennis Mayer, who had been doing this for, he was way too smart at this, you know, to be a to, to be a bartender, it's like, oh my God, why why are you here with us morons? <laughs> and so he he designed the organizational system in the bar brilliantly, these slanted racks to where you didn't even have to look to get the bottles. You knew exactly where they were. So get back to, so that's in the organizational part. But Dennis poured this woman came up to the bar and he, and she asked him for a vodka martini. Straight up. Okay. Dennis does what he does. Order a vodka martini, straight up. Put it, in, put, it in, put it in a glass, put it in front of her, took a sip. It's not dry enough. She complains that it's not dry enough. Now, Dennis comes over to me and he says, I've been doing this 20 years. I've never put a drop of vermouth in a martini. Just poured a straight vodka. Hmm. What does he do? Have the argument with her? Oh no no man, that's as dry as it can be. You know, I never put, I never put vodka. Uh, nope. Iced down another mixing glass. Poured the vodka right in front of her. Iced down her glass. Poured it in. She goes, "That's much better." <laughs> Same drink. <laughs> right? Yeah. But Dennis dodged all the back and forth and argument. He he took the customers always right. Now and so uh, I mean we don't you know I'm sure the place wouldn't want to see that happen every day it would ruin their pouring costs yeah yeah but but it, by the same token you know who wants to you know let's get the manager over here and here we go and you know so and sometimes people are just having a bad day so you just gotta give them a little bit of slack and play the game a little grace yeah. 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 yeah yeah Neil Rogers bar tips everything I need to know I learned behind the bar available on Amazon or if people are living in the states they can get it in Barnes and Noble the bookstore but thank you so much for joining me on Gary Talks today and continued success same to you my friend I really enjoyed it